powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Here we go now. Hey everyone, happy Monday. Bump, how's it going? How was your weekend? Uh, it was all right. All Kids, right. I did soccer, basketball, and I actually got a round of golf in. So actually, it was a pretty good weekend. It, was, it sounds like a really good, yeah. productive, busy weekend. Yeah. But a good, productive weekend. Curtis, how was, how was your Oops, weekend? Sorry. My weekend, it was pretty good. Got a full night of sleep last night, which was incredible. Wow. Shout out Enjoy to that before yeah. you have two kids. Exactly. Boy. Bump will tell you. And yours? What were we thinking? Mine was fantastic. Thank you guys so much for asking. I went and bought a vase. I um, oh, I got my wow. nails done. Um, I uh, it was my sister's birthday, so celebrated with her. Happy birthday, Sammy! And uh, and yeah, I know everyone was wondering exactly. I was. I only asked you guys so that you would ask me how my weekend was. Like Perfect. you know that person in your office that's like, oh, well, did you do anything fun? And you're like, no. And then they just look at you. <laughs> How about you? Oh my God! I've been waiting to tell you all about it. Um, no, it was it was very low key though, in part because uh, obviously there was no Super Bowl this weekend. That's coming up uh, this upcoming weekend, and I got to tell you guys, you ever look forward to something just for the food? Yes, Thanksgiving uh, and the family and yeah. the family, but Thanksgiving. That's like going to a wedding and, you know, the reception. Yeah, and you're really like, fun. and you're kind of telling yourself, like, I'm just going to eat everything. That's how I feel about Super Bowl. There's no reason Super Bowl needs to be a food thing. And yet it is. It's like the second biggest food sports holiday mm-hmm. for no reason other than it's the Super Bowl. I am very much looking forward to this weekend, just vegging out, doing nothing, eating everything I own. The it's worst part is that Super Bowl Sunday, typically, if I didn't have the occupation I have today, I'd be getting after it on a Sunday, <laughs> but I can't even get after it no more because I got to come in and be responsible be and really talk weird about the game. All of a sudden, it's like bump called out on on Monday after the Super Bowl. What, what happened? What needs here? to happen is that the Super Bowl needs to be played on a Saturday. That needs to what? be it does. a thing. Yeah, it needs I mean, to be Super Bowl, on a Saturday. Obviously, Sunday, classic, classic NFL holiday, right? Every single week, once a week uh, during the season. But yeah, give people a day to recover. What are we supposed to do exactly. on Monday? Just roll in here, talk about sports for four hours? Pretty much. That's insane. Who yeah, does who that? Who would ever do that? In well, uh, we do. So let's oh, go yeah, ahead and get right. started. Um, Gino Smith was on The Pivot, which is uh, it's essentially a podcast, but obviously it's on YouTube. You can watch it. Um, and uh, he was interviewed about a million and five things. It's a long interview. I recommend listening to it, though. He covers a lot of stuff, including his time with the Jets, his time with the Giants, um, his time initially getting to Seattle, his relationship with Russell Wilson, all kinds of good stuff. And, of course, he also talks about a potential deal with the Seattle Seahawks. He doesn't say numbers, but it's really the first time we've heard Gino speak, right? Gino, finally, on record, talking about uh, his time with Seattle, what he wants, and whether or not he's optimistic a deal will get done. So let's start there before we get to some of the other stuff. This is what Gino has to say about contract talks with the Seahawks. I would, I would love to be in Seattle, man. I love Seattle. You know, we have a great relationship. And, uh, I, you know, I think we'll work things out. Um, you know, when it comes to, like, contracts, I think every player just wants to get paid his worth. And uh, it's funny because, like, a great friend of mine tells me, like, no matter what check they write, it'll never be your, your worth because your worth isn't in money. It isn't in, you know, monetary things. And so um, you just want to be respected. You know, your contract just wants to say, we respect you. 
we understand what you bring to the table. We understand the caliber player you are, and we appreciate you. And that's really all it comes down to. Now, Gino said during the course of this interview, I think we're going to work it out. I love Seattle. Basically, he would love to stay in Seattle. To me, Bump, it sounds pretty optimistic. It does sound optimistic. And he kind of contradicts himself. He goes, you know, money isn't your worth. Your contract isn't your worth. But don't disrespect me at the same time. <laughs> so there is a worth. There is a number that he's looking at and saying, okay, they have to hover around this. But, no, it's nice for him to come out and do this. And a lot of times you hear guys like Josh Jacobs when he's talking about his contract. You know, I'm in the driver's seat. You know, they got to pay me. Well, we're not hearing that with Gino. He's an older man. He realizes, look, I have a good thing here in Seattle. Why go anywhere else and start all over? Stay in the system that I understand. But, yeah, don't disrespect him. And he said it in a nice way. Yeah. He said it in a, in, a, in a way that he feels – I don't think he feels like the Hawks are going to disrespect him, but there is a number that he's looking at when it comes to getting paid. I do wonder what that number is, as does everyone. Do you think it much exceeds the franchise tag number of 32-4? I don't think so. I think I that think it would. he seems like a humble dude. He seems like he lives in reality. And for him to ask for like thirty five million, to me, that's Come not on. that's not his reality. That's someone else's. Now, if you're an agent trying to make him as much money as you possibly can, you're looking at his numbers versus players who are making that or more, mm-hmm. like Kirk Cousins. Uh, I think Jared Goff might have made. Uh, well, all of these guys made more, but I'm looking at the thirty two number. Uh, Jared Goff, uh, Matt Ryan, all these guys, and you're saying, well, if Gino outperformed them, he should be worth at least this much. Uh, but also, all those guys were in different phases of their, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Tannehill was in, like, what, the last year of his deal? Like, so they're all, if they're backloaded, it's going to be more no matter what. Like, you got to be realistic. You have to be realistic about it. And, again, I think that's the only reason or way I justify keeping Gino at that cost. But you do want to justify keeping at least some kind of answer at quarterback. Now, I know that some of you guys are like, well, I really, really trust what Pete Carroll uh, can do for whoever's at quarterback. I think Geno Smith is better than Drew Locke, but Geno did talk about what having a coach like Pete does as a quarterback. It takes a lot of pressure off you. Like, Pete is, like, if y'all, I, I would hope y'all, y'all should come. You know what I mean? There's an open invitation. I'm pretty sure he's good. Y'all should come to Seattle and just come sit in our meeting room. Just come sit in our meeting room. It, after a loss, even. Coach Carroll is, like, the most energetic, most positive, you know, best mental coach I've ever seen. You know what I mean? He coaches your mentality every single day. He gets you prepared every single day. Championship football, like practice is you going at your defense every single day. It's no days off. And so when when you got a coach like that who's like preparing, he's breeding you for success. He's preparing you to play championship football. I've seen a lot of people bump say, I think Pete Carroll and I'm I'm recognize that I am using Gino's point as a launching launching point into a different point. This isn't what he's saying. I've seen a lot of people say, I think Pete Carroll could do with whoever what he did with Gino, what he did with Russ. And maybe that's true. To me, the more impactful part of this interview was just the relationship Pete has with his players. That's what it is to me. It's not like Pete Carroll, uh, magic fingers can touch people and turn like water into wine for quarterbacks. It's Pete Carroll being able to tap into what, a player can do to motivate himself. And that's more important. Yeah. And Pete ain't perfect. Every come into work, win, loss, it doesn't matter. He's the same. He's consistent. Uh, and he motivates. There's a perfect player for each coach. There's a perfect situation uh, for each player. And some guys thrive under Belichick. Some guys thrive under Pete. Some guys thrive other, under Homlin. Some guys thrive 
under Dungy. And the reason why we know these names is because they've had a huge amount of success. And how do you do that? You connect with your players. You get them to, to perform at a high level. To say Pete can do what he did with Geno with every single quarterback is foolish. That's like saying Shanahan can do it with every quarterback that walks in. Or Belichick can just yeah. magically turn everyone into Tom Brady. Yeah, you, you're not going to be able to do that. But your win rate when it comes to connecting with these players is what you focus on. And I would say Pete Carroll's win rate when it comes to players speaking highly about the environment uh, that he creates is pretty high. Uh, whenever I get, I don't know about you, when you get into ba- debates with people about uh, whether or not the Seahawks should stick with Geno, uh, do you find yourself ever getting stuck uh, when they're like, hey, uh, well, can Geno win a Super Bowl? I'm always like, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, most of the Super Bowls we've seen won have been won by like the best guys, yeah. right? Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Big Ben's in there. Uh, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. Like it, the guys that are winning Super Bowls, are, occasionally you'll have Dilfer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick yeah. Foles is a backup. But <laughs> like Johnson. overwhelmingly, Super Bowl winners have been represented by guys that ended up being franchise quarterbacks. I don't know that the answer is that Geno Smith can do it. Now, he's not getting paid what those guys are. No. But um, do you fi- what do you find yourself saying when, when you talk about Geno as potentially the reason a team gets to a Super Bowl? Um, I, w- I say to people, those are my expectations for Geno. Can he exceed expectations and win the Super Bowl? For sure, it can be done. We've seen it happen before. You mentioned some examples, but those guys had a lot of help around them. My expectations for Geno is just to keep these guys really competitive. That's just, those are my expectations, though. People yeah. expect, and it's okay for people to expect the team to compete for a Super Bowl every single year. But being in a former athlete, being a coach, being in his business, I realize that it just doesn't happen like that. There are necessary steps that need to be taken, and Gino is a necessary step, in my opinion. He's the guy who holds it together. Now, while he's holding it together, could you strike gold and get to a Super Bowl? Of course you can. But he's supposed to hold it together, keep them competitive, and mentor this next young guy. In in a way, I think Geno Smith understands that. He's not going to come out and say he's not competing for a quarterback. But he knows, shoot, I'm 32 years old. Now, he also said he wants to play 10 more years, right? That's everyone's goal now. Thank you, Tom Brady. But no, (laughs) when I get into conversations with people, I go, look, these are my expectations for Geno. To me, they are real expectations. Be competitive. Make a run in the playoff. If anything else happens, that's gravy. Also, let's be real. If I thought without a doubt that Geno Smith could be the guy and the answer for you, I wouldn't stop at 30. I wouldn't be like, ah, if it goes much over the franchise tag, maybe move on. It would be pay that man whatever you need to keep him. Yeah. <laughs> that was, would be where the conversation goes. If he was goes. the guy, man, I'm, I'm starting Different at 40. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> this is Geno Smith when asked if a team can get to a Super Bowl because of him and not in spite of him. Yes, 100%. You know, I, I haven't started for a long time. So this is my first year starting after a long time. This is only my third year being starting in the NFL. So I'm actually a little young. You know, I'm not young in age, but like as, tar- as, as, far, as far as experience, you know, um, I don't think I've reached my peak in play. I know that I'm just enter- entering into my prime. I know that I can play another 10 years. I take care of my body. I eat right, sleep right, hit the weights. I study the right way. I know that I could be a lot better than I was this year. You know, this year I, you know, did a lot of great things, but I can be so much better. And that's kind of where my mindset is going to the offseason. It's like, man, I can't wait to attack this offseason, you know, take care of the things I need to get better at. And then next season, I'll be 10 times better than I was this year. I'm going to steal a question that you always ask me, which is uh, if blank was quarterbacking the 49ers, <laughs> would he stand in their way or help them get there? And for Gino, it's like, oh, they they could have won the Super Bowl with Gino, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like it, it's, and I say that not to say that uh, Gino would be the reason. We know that the 
49ers roster as a whole is the reason. Just like we know that Jalen Hurts by himself on his own is not the reason the Eagles are in the Super Bowl. They're in the Super Bowl because they have Jalen Hurts plus a great run game, plus a great offense as a whole and great receivers, plus a defense that got 70 sacks during the regular season, right? They're an incredibly complete whole team. Um, Seattle is not there. There are a lot of pieces away. But when I look at like, okay, maybe if you add a piece here, add a piece there, I see no reason why Gino would stand in the way of getting to a Super Bowl. No, I don't think Gino would stand in the way at all. And for reasons that he mentions, honestly, he goes, look, I've been a backup for a long time. I'm pretty young when it comes to starts. So he, when you're young, when it comes to starts, you know what you see? You see improvements and leaps and bounds when you're young. When you get older, though, improvements are like a half step here, a step there. They're not as great because you've been there, you've done that, and you've improved so much over your career, you have less to do. With Gino, why doesn't he get the benefit of the doubt as well as he can improve in leaps and bounds because he hasn't been a starter all that long in, in this league? And I think that's an advantage to him at this point is that we could see. And if he does improve in leaps and bounds, what does that look like for next year? Again, that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy who just won a Pro Bowl for the first time in his career. But improvement in leaps and bounds to me means, okay, you throw for over 30 touchdowns. You're single digits when it comes to um, your interception rate. You are over 70%, which is hard to do in the NFL when it comes to completion rate. You put together a couple more game-winning drives. Like he just set, He just set the bar with this year. Who's to say that he can improve? Who's to say that he's not going to improve? But he makes a good point. He's young when it comes to starts, so he can improve in leaps and bounds. Well, and you can also improve the team. I, I, I don't want to start every single day talking about Gino, and but I will because I keep seeing the argument of like spend on the defense. Forget Gino. Get rid of Gino. Spend on the defense. Do you want to be the Jets? Like, do you want to have great pieces uh, defensively or some great weapons or a great receiver and then absolutely no answer at quarterback? I'm just saying, like, right now you have a potential answer, not a long-term answer, despite what Gino might think, not a long-term answer bump, but you do have an answer potentially for 2023. It's going to be more expensive, but that doesn't keep you from making your defense better in 2023 either. Like, I, I reject the notion that either you can have Gino or two great defensive players in Drew Locke. Like, that is a false setup for how to build a team. No, nah, it is false. There are things you can do. You can do it all, honestly. And um, I think the more people buy into that, the more they uh, they just read up a little bit and I'm see saying, how the salary cap works and how you move money. Yeah. You can still pay him. You got draft picks. There's a way to do it, but I, I think that the number scares people, and they think – that that number prevents you from doing things, it and that's simply not true. It it changes the way you can do things, but the idea that paying Gino means you cannot add a defensive player in free agency is not true. Like, that's not true. That is a bad faith interpretation of not only what it would mean to sign Gino, but but of how free agency and how the salary cap works, depending on the deal that you give Gino. It becomes tough when it's a franchise tag and easier when it's, like, a two-, three-year deal. Mm-hmm. But, again, like... I'm very, I don't know about you guys. We have gone for 10 years knowing exactly who the starter at quarterback would be for this team. Suddenly we're entering a season where we have no idea what the answer is going to be. And this is one of the most interesting conversations to me. Whether or not it's Geno, Bump, maybe they go and draft some guy at five. Who knows? Maybe they do. This is the biggest decision a team's going to make. Anyways.
and I'm backing down from it. I think it's fascinating. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacy. Headline number one, to the surprise of many, the Dallas Mavericks were the team Kyrie Irving was traded to over the weekend. What's the real headline? Finally, Kyrie gets a chance to be successful. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... He's never been given He's that never been given an opportunity. No, the headline's obviously sarcastic. Irving is played with superstars, and he is a superstar. But, Bump, let's be honest, talent has never been the thing standing in his way. Nah, Cleveland, you have LeBron, you got K-Love, you go to the Celtics, you got Jalen over there, you got, I mean, Tatum. And then you go to the net, you're supposed to have KD and James Harden. Like It's not about talent with him, it's about the right situation for him. And the thing that concerns me about him going to the Mavericks is that Kyrie does his best work with the ball in his hands. He is creative, he can finish at the rim, he's got a jump shot. This is Luka's team. Like Kyrie Irving is not coming over there making a his team. This is Luka's team. Luka averages 36 minutes per game. Uh, that's not going to stop Kyrie from trying to make it his team. It's not going to try, but I <laughs> will never stop Kyrie. But that's what I, we were talking about in the sports pit bump. Like, how are you going to try to make a team your team and complain about not being the superstar when you have one foot out the door? Yeah, can't do it. So you're not going to have the same work ethic and then be mad when it's not your team? Nah, this is this is Luca's team. That's the only way this is going to work if he understands that. But here's where it helps look at. Like I said, 36 minutes per game. So now you can run a shift to where Kyrie's on the court, Luca's not on the court, and you don't have to worry about who's going to handle the ball coming up and down and running the offense. That's how this works. Obviously, they start together, but then you stagger them a little bit and let each shine. It might work, but Kyrie, he's got to humble himself. Name a team that's been worse off after moving on from Kyrie Irving. I'll wait. They've all gotten better after he's <laughs> left. The Cavs still made the NBA Finals the year after Kyrie Irving was traded to Boston. Boston has a great thing going with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. They made the NBA Finals last year. Brooklyn, we don't know what they're going to be Watch like. Watch them add talent. They do want to add talent before Thursday. Yeah, and the point guard they got back from the Mavs, Spencer Dinwiddie, has played in Brooklyn before. He's capable of running an offense in the NBA. Uh Kyrie Irving, I don't know if the headache is worth yeah. what he brings to the court. Oh, God, the 425 with the headline I should have had. His career path has been a bit flat. Huh. <laughs> oh, dang it. Um, one thing I want to add, Bump, you are a huge Lakers fan. There are conflicting reports about why a deal didn't happen with the Lakers. On the one hand, it was that the Lakers snubbed him despite LeBron James openly campaigning for Kyrie to come to L.A. On the other hand, it's that uh, Joe Sy nixed a deal. That the one place he was like, nope, sorry, I'm not trading you there was to the Lakers because of obviously the bad blood between Kyrie and the Nets and the fact that the Lakers were Kyrie's preferred destination. So it was like a last kind of like, I'm going to stick it to you. Yeah, a whole lot of speculation. All that matters to me is that he didn't come to L.A. And uh, LeBron is having a tough time with this, man. Tough time with his team and this whole Kyrie situation. He tweeted out the other day, maybe it's me. So, I don't know, man. If Kyrie were to go to the Lakers, we become contenders again for this year at least. And I'm heartbroken. All of a sudden, you have bump backing up, playing devil's advocate for all the Kyries. I mean, have we? has anyone seen the earth from afar? <laughs> Bump comes in here burning sage every day. <laughs> Whatever it Think takes. Think about it. He brings up great points. <laughs> I don't know. Headline, Headline. Headline. Headline.
Headline number two, the Kraken added some bulk by trading for 6'6 defenseman Jacob Megna from the San Jose Sharks. What's the real headline? I'm going to keep it simple with the real headline. The Kraken added a huge dude after Matty Beneers got hurt. That's what (laughs) this headline is. Ignore all the other words. The Kraken added a huge dude after Beneers gets hurt. Uh, Beneers did return to practice today, which is good news. Uh, Via this trade, the Kraken will send San Jose a conditional fourth round pick. Megna, now the second biggest player on the Kraken roster bump. Only only, uh, Jamie Alexia who's 6'7", 257, someone get that guy playing tight end, is taller. Here's something for you. He better be about that Tilly life. You know what that is? <laughs> no. That's a hockey term. You get ready to fight. All right? You better be about Wait, that Tilly what? life. All right? That's hockey term, man. What does man. Tilly mean? You gotta, it's, it's a fight. It's a a fight. Tilly is a fight. Well, yeah, someone who's a fighter, he's, he's in a Tilly. He's Tilly. Now, why does it sound so light and airy? Like Tilly feels like a brand that I would wear as a sixteen-year-old girl. Well, it is a it is a chain of uh, it's like a department store. Tilly's. It's like a Zoomies in a way. Do you think that's why it's called that? I don't know. Tilly got bumped just randomly. <laughs> gotta 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 <laughs> read up on your life. hockey terms, man. Be about that saying. Tilly, Jacob. Let's go, man. man. Drop the mitts. <laughs> And get active. Tyler Myers, nothing but a pigeon. <laughs> Dust headline rewrite. Bender. What's the real head? Or, uh, I, I didn't even yeah, read Yeah, you got to tell me what it oh, is. Okay, here we go. The Cardinals <laughs> have reportedly narrowed their list of head coaching candidates to Brian Flores, Mike Kafka, and Lou Anarumo. What's the real headline? Not yet narrowed down their list of starting quarterbacks for week one. This is why that's the real headline. There are a lot of question marks facing the Arizona Cardinals in 2023 bump, not only at head coach. Don't forget Kyler Murray is also coming off of a torn ACL. Now, he could be ready by week one. Maybe he will be. Um, It's certainly possible. But the Arizona Cardinals have a lot of question marks heading into the season. And it's not just what do we do about Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah, there's a lot going on. Quarterback spot, culture change. I think when it comes to culture, Brian Flores, I think if he's allowed to do what I know he can do, will change that culture over there. Mike Kafka, man, he's had an interesting run at this. He's only 35 years old. What in? He was a OC or quality control in 2017 with KC, then a quarterback coach and a pass game coordinator, Giants OC. He's had a fast ascend to this, and that's what worries me about him. If he were to get this job, is like he's 35, not a lot of experience as a coordinator or a head coach, and now you're dealing with Kyler Murray. You need somebody who knows what they're doing, who is sure of themselves, who's been around the block. Yeah, a guy like Brian Flores, honestly. But um, we'll see what they do over there. Nothing surprises me. Whichever direction the Cardinals go, I will not be surprised. All right. Well, we are not moving on from the Cardinals, but we're going to look at the other three teams in the NFC West, too, including, yes, Seattle. Who has the best quarterback situation in the NFC West heading into next year? And what does it mean for Seattle's odds to win the division in 2023? That's next. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Bump, the NFC West is in a really interesting situation where, on the one hand, you have the Rams, who I fully believe will bounce back. I don't know how good they'll be, but I think they'll bounce back uh, in 2023. You have the 49ers coming off uh, of an NFC conference game. The Arizona Cardinals with a great young quarterback. They just got to figure out how to get the most out of him and start a new relationship with a new head coach and then you got Seattle who had a great draft class and now has a lot of draft capital to keep building on that they could potentially return to being one of the better divisions in football next year and yet when you look at each of these teams there are really important question marks at quarterback for all four teams which is why I want to talk about who has the best quarterback situation in the NFC West 
and what it means, obviously, for Seattle's odds to win the division in 2023. So let's run through all these teams. We'll save Seattle for last. Uh, We'll start with the Rams. Um, Matthew Stafford, obviously, we know he's good. We know who Matthew Stafford is. He was Mm -hmm. kind of like where Russell Wilson was at times during his career, where you were never one of, like, the top three guys, but you couldn't have a top ten list without him. You know what I mean? Like, good enough to win you a Super Bowl, but, like, not for some reason seen as elite in quite the same way as the other guys. But Stafford, he's good. He won a Super Bowl in 2021. He also missed a lot of time this year, including ending a season with a spinal contusion uh, as well as an elbow injury. That spinal contusion won't force him into retirement, but we're wondering what he's going to look like in 2023. Yeah, Matthew Stafford, I I think he doesn't get a lot of the love that he deserves. The numbers weren't great, but you're in Detroit. And all you had was Calvin Johnson. You close your eyes, you throw it up to Calvin, and you see what's going on there. He had some good years. He's had a year in in Detroit where he threw 41 touchdowns. He's got a 32-year. He's got a 26-year, a 29-year. But you're right, not a guy that you just thrust into Tier 1 and say, Mm -hmm. he's a difference maker. He's a guy that's going to win you a championship. But the thing that you always heard about Matthew Stafford is that he had a cannon he could throw. Never heard much about his leadership. Now you get him in L.A., you surround him with – the right weapons, and you look what he does, 41 touchdowns, did throw 17 interceptions, but you win a Super Bowl. So I look at Matthew Stafford, and I still kind of see him in that light. Super talented, that can make every throw out there, but not a guy that can sit at the table with Joe Burrow, with Pat Mahomes, with Josh Allen right now. He's he's under he's beneath him, but when it's all said and done, you're going to look at his numbers and say, okay, he might have been one of the best, what, 15, 20 quarterbacks yeah, to do this. I know. I agree. Uh, an underrated guy and still has a big arm. We'll see what he looks like at, he's going to be, what, 34-ish, 35 in 2023? Um, 34. He'll be, 34. He'll be 35 tomorrow. Happy birthday, Matthew Stafford. Okay, so we'll see what he looks like uh, at 35. We'll see if uh, if the Rams can bounce back from a really horrible season. Um, they were really, really banged up, so don't look past the Rams. They dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, they'll have some changes at coaching staff, but the most important spots, head coach and obviously GM, mm-hmm. remain the same. Moving on to the 49ers, um, they said already that uh, Jimmy G, who was on a one-year deal, is not going to be back in San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan said, I do not see a reunion or, or with Jimmy G or, re, or a world in which Jimmy G is a 49er. So you've got Brock Purdy, who's dealing with a UCL injury. We don't know yet whether he'll need Tommy John. If he does, that's a long recovery. If mm-hmm. not, maybe they get away with six months or whatever. Brock Purdy, Trey Lance. You have no idea what you have with Trey Lance. You gave up a lot for him. You know what he cost you. Uh but he started how many games for you? Three. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> if that. Yeah. And I don't think he won. One? I mean, maybe one, but certainly lost to Chicago and started Seattle, didn't finish that game. No, Trey Lance last year started two games for you. The second game against the 49ers, he uh, breaks his ankle or leg or something like that. And you can look at the way he was, the way he took the tackle, and you could tell, I say this all the time, he's not a runner. He can run. He's not a guy who knows how to how to take tackles. Um, so that messed you up there. But then you look at Brock Purdy, you look what he did over the course of the year, and you say, is he your guy? Me, personally, I'm rolling with Brock Purdy. You can get something out of Trey Lance at this point. Purdy has shown that he can run this offense, and again, you're waiting to see if he needs Tommy John or not, but he showed he can run this offense. So now you have trade bait. Trey Lance, there is a team out there that's going to look at Trey Lance and say, okay, maybe we can do something with him. And with these quarterbacks who are taken high in the draft, they're going to get three, four chances in this league, right? If it doesn't work out in one spot, 
out. Another team's going to take a chance. You'll be a backup somewhere else. Most likely someone's banged up. You're going to get out there and play again. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have some opportunities. If I am the 49ers, I'm saying ride with the youngster, depending on his Tommy John sure, or not. Sure. If he's good to go in six months, like they're hoping, I say you trade Lance and get something out of him. I say also that this team is in one of the weirdest spots of being the best team in the division with the with the biggest question mark at quarterback. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals. They have an answer at quarterback. In fact, a long-term answer because they already paid him, Kyler Murray. Problem is he's coming off a torn ACL. Who, who knows if he'll be ready week one. Also dealing with a new head coach in OC. We just don't know who that's going to be yet. Yeah. Yeah, 11 games Kyler Murray played last year, completing 66% of his passes, 14 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. You can't ignore the run game, right? He has 3 touchdowns, rushed for 418 yards. The thing with Kyler Murray is, what's the next step in his development? What else? Is, what does he need to do to become an elite quarterback? And when you look at what he's done over the years, um, he, he's had some good years, man. What? 64% completion rate, 67, 69, 66, 20 touchdowns, 26, 24. But double digits and interceptions has been the Achilles heel for this young man. And we know that he can run the football. And also it's all about his attitude and how he receives yep. coaching. But, you know, injuries have a thing. Injuries can humble you sometimes and make you realize you are mortal. And you sit back, you look at your team and the way they're performing. Hopefully you're watching more film. This is the way a lot of guys respond. At least we all know Kyler Murray had a clause in his contract to force him to watch more film. But hopefully him being injured and being able to step back and look at his team from the outside looking in says, these are the things that I need to do to get better. And also just surround yourself with people. Like who does Kyler Murray call when he needs some advice? Someone who's going to be honest with him, I hope. No denying the talent that this young man has, but it's the mental, it's the weapons, it's the coaching. All right, and let's move on to the final team, the one that we cover here every day, the Seattle Seahawks. They uh, know who they could have in Gino or Drew, two quarterbacks they're familiar with. Those are also two quarterbacks who are unrestricted free agents. Gino is going to cost a lot more than he did last year. Is it going to be the $32 million franchise tag? Is it going to be a new deal, which would allow you to spend under 30 this year, as long as it was, you know, like a two, three year deal? Uh, is it going to be Drew, who you'd still have to resign, but is going to be comparatively cheaper? Or TBD? Maybe you draft someone and go with that guy. You have the number five overall pick. I don't see a lot of names in free agency. I think Seahawks fans would want. Like, do you guys not want? Do you guys want Nathan Peterman? Nah. Right. Like, do, do you want uh, Allen? Uh, do you want or Allen, who is in uh, what's his name, Brian Allen? I don't know something. Allen, who is in uh, Texas? Do you want? I mean, Gardner Minshew is a popular name because he's local. But go Cougs, but no, thank you. But no, but you know what I'm saying? Like the the most reliable guys who are going to be free agents. One of them retired, Tom Brady. Uh, the other one is probably going to get franchise tag, Lamar Jackson. Um, and then you've got Jimmy G and Daniel Jones, who I and see. Carr, is who cost too much. Who's going to be way too much. And I see all of those guys as potentially interchangeable with, with Gino, who at least knows your system. So it's Gino, it's Drew, or draft a guy. That's kind of what I'm. Yeah, Gino, Drew, draft. We'll call it GDD. Yeah. Gino, Drew, or the draft. That's what you have to do with him. The messed up part about this day is I'm looking at this division. And I'm looking at the quarterback situation. There's no quarterback in the division that you just plug into Seattle and say, okay, that makes them a winning team. There's no quarterback in the league, right? No free agencies, no one that I look and say, okay, you plug him in. He makes you guys a Super Bowl contending team. Um, it all comes down to what they do in the draft and offseason and how they develop around him. But 
I am buying into Gino more and more, especially after hearing him talk on the Pivot um, podcast. Yeah. He just gets it. And I just like his outlook and how he views things and the relationship that he has. But, no, if I had to rank the quarterback situations for this division right now, I would say top of the list, you have to go with Matthew Stafford if he's healthy. He's proven it. He's been a pro bowl. He's won a Super Bowl. I think you got to go on him, especially if, when you look at the weapons around him, not solely on him. Then I go to Geno Smith. As number two, I know Brock Purdy's on a better team. He's number three. And then I go to Kyler Murray at number four because he's got a lot of things to work out over there. The quarterback situation isn't bad over here if you keep Geno. If Geno walks or you don't pay him, then it becomes a bit different. And now you're working. Now the G is gone. You're just going DD, Drew and Draft. All right. Uh, It is Super Bowl week, and we have some good discussions happening every single day heading into Super Bowl. Uh, Today's, we are continuing with Bump's Power 5 vibe list. Now, during the regular season, it is the Power 5 teams, your top five teams in the NFL, based only on your own rubric, which makes some of them very controversial, but I digress. Um, But you're not doing the five teams. There's only two teams remaining. Instead, we're taking a walk down memory lane for the top five wide receiver Super Bowl performances. Can't wait to see what's at number one. That's next. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Every Monday during the regular season, you can hear Bump with his Power 5 vibe list, ranking the top five teams in the NFL based only on what Bump thinks thinks makes them a top five team in the NFL. It's a list that I actually love. I think it's really, really funny, uh, really insightful, but there aren't five teams left. There are two, and uh, given that we're heading into the Super Bowl, we thought we'd have some fun with the Power 5 vibe today. You have the top five wide receiver Super Bowl performances. What do we got? Yeah, these are my top five, right? Mine. I know someone's going to go back. It (laughs) is Super Bowl three. You got it. You mentioned, nah, I'm just talking about mine. All right, so I'm going to start off with number five, a former teammate of mine. Dion Branch, man. Super Bowl 39, I believe that was, man. Oh, first off, big up to Dion Branch. He was just added to the Louisville coaching staff. He is director of player development now. Congratulations, Dion Branch. He had 11 catches for 133. The 11 catches tied the NFL record at the time. I don't know if it's been broken or not. But Dion Branch was one of the quickest receivers I ever played with. When I was here in Seattle, um, his hamstring kept bothering him, so he didn't play a lot. But I remember watching the Super Bowl with my grandmother, Dion Branch, and she pointed out to me, she goes, look, baby, he's under six foot tall. You'll be able to do that one day. So number five, I go to Dion Branch in that run with Tom Brady. This is when the Patriots really became the Patriots. I believe that was back in 2005. So number five, I got Dion Branch. Number four, I got Santonio Holmes in Super Bowl number 43. He had nine receptions, 131 yards, and a touchdown. But most importantly, that last drive to win that thing, Mm -hmm. he had four receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown. One of the most iconic catches of football history, him in the back of the end zone, toe-tapping that thing, making it look pretty. Big up Santonio Holmes. Also, you talk about four catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. You are the drive. You are the drive. It was you. Yeah, yeah, it was you. <laughs> Big up, Santonio. Um, and then I got number three, I got Terrell Owens. Now, they didn't win this Super Bowl. He didn't even score a touchdown, but he had nine receptions for 122. Six weeks prior, he broke his ankle. This man was sleeping in a chamber every night. We already know he eats perfectly, getting all his sleep, still working out. I saw this man. I remember, remember watching this as a kid. And thinking every time he got tackled, I thought that ankle was going to go again. I was so concerned for Terrell Owens, but 
Say what you want about his attitude and his antics or whatnot. He was one of the most dominant receivers in the game during his time. And this is a perfect example of that. Six weeks after breaking his ankle, he puts up a performance like that, but they fell short. Mm. Okay, what do we got at number two? Number two. Now, this is more of just the dude balled out, but he's also such a great human being. I had to put him on this list. Okay. One of the greatest human beings when it comes to wide receiver. Who do you think I'm talking about? No one will ever say anything bad about this dude. Larry Fitzgerald? Larry Fitz. Oh, was it in a loss? It was in a loss. Larry Fitz in a loss, man. Seven catches for 127 and two touchdowns. He's the most humble superstar I've ever seen in my life. And I remember there was a slant that he caught during that play. And Larry was not known for his burners. He was not known for his wills, his get em ups Not at all. But he took it, what, like 50 or 60 yards. He almost scored or he did score. But Larry Fitzgerald, one of the some of the best hands I've ever seen in my life. Um, he made the transition from an outside receiver to a slot receiver in his older years. He understood, like, look, I'm more quick now than fast. And, uh, yeah, too bad. He's he's like my Charles Barkley, but yeah. with a better attitude, right? Like one of the all-time greats that have never won a Super Bowl and deserves one, man, Larry Fitzgerald. Well, I do appreciate that there are guys in here that are going to be in Super Bowl losses, too, because we look past performance that performances that are in losing efforts. And there have been so many amazing performances by guys on the losing end of a Super Bowl. And, of course, you forget. You forget, you move on because no one remembers the loser. You remember the winner. I mean, the most famous play from a loser in the last several years is, unfortunately, for Seattle, probably the interception at the goal line. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) more people talk about that one play from Super Bowl Forty Nine than they do anything the Patriots did. Mm -hmm. Like, who caught a touchdown for the Patriots in that Super Bowl? I think most people would be like, uh, and if I said who intercepted Russell Wilson, they're going to say Malcolm Butler. Yeah. Facts. That's what that's what you're known for in that Super Bowl. But Facts. there are amazing performances in other games by lots of guys, wide receivers, running backs, quarterbacks. I like that. Okay, so we do have number one. Number one. Before I get to number one, let me say big ups to uh, Rob and American Samoa. You're right. Lynn Swan had a great performance as well. But these are just the ones I saw with my very eyes. And then I contradict myself because I don't remember watching this one. But you don't leave the <laughs> GOAT off of the list. Jerry Rice, Super Bowl 24, I think it was, 148 and three touchdowns. You cannot put together any type of list and not have Jerry Rice on this thing, man. Um, What he win, three or four Super Bowls with Joe Montana over there in the 80s. Joe Montana. Jerry Rice, he used to work out at this, um, this, I forgot what the hill is called back in California, man. He used to sprint up this hill, and it took you about 10 to 15 minutes if you sprinted up the hill. And me and some of my buddies will go to that same hill during the offseason and try to make it up one full sprint. We couldn't do it until, like, we got into college, I believe. And we're in high school. We'd have to stop at least one time. Mm-hmm. But Jerry used to work, go up that hill. And his routes were so smooth. When you watch Jerry run routes, it's not the most explosive, right? It's not uh, Justin Jefferson where it's so dramatic and he's snapping it off. He's snapping it in his own way, but his body language was so influencing that DBs had no choice but to respect what he was doing. So, yeah, I got to put Jerry Rice at number one. There's a lot of great performances, though, man, like Jesse and Olympia saying Edelman. Edelman had oh, a great yeah, performance as Atlanta. well. I mean, Edelman is the reason they got back into that and won that game. Yeah, for sure. Like, for you sure. don't get that Super Bowl. There is no 28-3 comeback if you don't have Edelman. So now, who's going to be the receiver in this Super Bowl to make his mark? We got some guys to look at. We got A.J. Brown. We got Devontae Smith. On the other side is by committee. Can Scantlin back up the, the performance he had last week? Is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster going to be healthy? But you got to look at Travis Kelsey and say, 
if there's anybody who's going to receive the ball a bunch of times and make some noise, it's going to be Kelsey. But he's in that tight ends group. So you know what I'll do tomorrow? I'll do the best tight end performances in Super Bowl history. I'm I not wonder tomorrow, though. Next week. We can, I mean, we can oh, we'll go mention tomorrow. It. Yeah, we can it mention tomorrow. it. We we'll can have. It. We're going to do Super Bowl stuff every single day leading into it. Uh, we're going to have. I want. I can't wait to have a conversation um, about like some of the worst Super Bowl winners. <laughs> <laughs> it was inspired by you guys. I got to catch up. I have to watch the documentary. But it was inspired by you two talking about Trent Dilfer. Like, who is the worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl? I think it's him. It's it might be, be Dilfer, Trent, right? It might be. Like, you can be a bad wide receiver, a bad tight end, a bad running back on a Super Bowl team. How often can you be a bad quarterback on a Super Bowl team? Not often. If you have the defense to carry you, it can happen. But this is a different type of NFL. Back in in those days, the Trent Dilfer days, the Baltimore Ravens days, that was the defense. They were trying to hurt you, and the referees let them hurt you a bit different these days. All right, you guys, we're switching gears here, talking Mariners. Two things that excite us about the upcoming season, but two things that still have us nervous. That's next.